getting to work is turning on my computer and that's the stigma around that is gone because of this pandemic and companies begin to adopt it as an efficient way to get work done, then all of a sudden those workers are not compelled to live in high expensive areas of say San Francisco or New York. They can get out to the suburbs. They can maybe even work in rural areas and get their work done and live much more affordably. This is Joel Kotkin. And this is Marshall Toplansky. And you're listening to the Feudal Future Podcast. Our society is being rapidly reduced to a feudal state, a process now being exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic. Millions of small businesses are near extinction. Millions more are losing their jobs, and many others will be stuck in the status of propertyless serfs. The big winners have been the expert class of the clerisy, and most of all, the tech oligarchs who benefit as people rely more on algorithms than human relationships. With this, around the world, the middle class is becoming more squeezed than ever. And it's having profound economic, social, and spiritual implications. Here on the show, we're having conversations with business, government, and citizen leaders like you to get to the core of these issues and explore how we can work together to form a better future than the one we're headed towards. We're happy to uh, have as our first guest on the Feudalism Podcast, Dan Young. Dan is very well known, not just in California, but around the country. He um, was the former uh, president of the Irvine Company, which in many ways is probably the most successful large private development anywhere in the world and has been remarkably successful. He also had um, experience as being mayor of Santa Ana, which is his hometown. And if you know anything about Santa Ana, it's a community that has a lot of challenges, predominantly immigrant, and has a great deal of poverty. So Dan has had his fingers in, in both the struggling communities and the really successful communities. And lastly, relative to COVID-19, he's on the board of Hogue Hospital. And has been very, very informative to my students about the impact of of the pandemic and how well Orange County ended up being prepared for it. So, Marshall, you want to open it up? Sure. Welcome, everybody. It's a pleasure to to have uh, Dan here. You might see my background, which is actually from the movie Blade Runner, because I thought it would be kind of a fun thing to talk about what the future of civilized living is going to look like, and especially with Dan, who has experience in the residential, the retail, and the office area with the Irvine Company, it might be a great starting question to say, Dan, how do you see life changing for us as we move past COVID-19? Well, if we think about the world after the vaccine, because between now and then, there's just too many unknowns, but post-vaccine, where there's testing regimens and we're controlling COVID. So we're now getting back to normal. The first thing I have to say is is that we will be in the depths of a recession. I think we're in probably a two to three year recession here. Hopefully it's not that long, but I'm, I'm afraid it might be. But I think that there are longer term effects that COVID has brought. I'll give you one interesting example from Hogue Hospital. Our doctors have gone from somewhere between zero and 5% of their appointments through telehealth to 
between 50 and 70% of their appointments through telehealth. And when our doctors have a patient, quite often they will send out an email saying, how did you like your service? These, they call them NPS scores. The NPS scores have been terrific. People love it. They like the idea that they didn't have to drive, they didn't have to wait in that lobby, that they didn't, the whole experience of an hour to get five, 10 minutes with the doctor is now cut down to five or 10 minutes with the doctor. They're in their home setting and the doctors are loving it because they're seeing great productivity. That has great prospects of being, as an example, a permanent change because the insurance companies used to not reimburse for telehealth calls. Now they do. Very, very important. Yeah, so it's interesting. You've got an environment now where there's almost like a redefining convenience and what benefits people get from this new mode of operation. So that in the past, it might have been thought of as lower quality of interaction. Now, with people accepting it as more convenient, it actually appears to be higher quality. How does that translate into the broader way that you see us changing? So I think that the world of work is going to change fairly dramatically over the next decade as a direct result of the pandemic. We're now proving that working from home, working outside the office can have productivity equal to, and in some instances, even greater than coming to the office. You don't have all the downtime of people collecting together. You don't have the downtime of people having to drive to their next meeting. You've got people who run companies who are saying, my goodness, think about all the money I was spending on business travel just to get everybody together to have the meeting that I just had on Zoom. So I think there will be efficiencies that will drive what has been forced to happen to become part of our work week. Second, I think that the office space itself will start to morph. If I'm working from home or somewhere out of the office, let's say half time, I might go on and schedule my office visit to make sure that my team is going to be there so we can have that personal interaction or go over papers versus them. And then I can have my Zoom time, my online meetings. And so I really only need to be there about half the time. So it's entirely possible that for the short term, that will be how we accomplish social distancing. But for the long term, it may well be that we have greater efficiency in the utilization of the office space itself. Therefore, you don't need as much office space if you're actually staggering schedules, maybe going Monday through Saturday maybe extending from eight to noon with one crew and two to seven with the next crew. So I think that there's going to be um, some very interesting innovations on how we schedule work and how we do our work. And I think that that's going to have a direct impact on certainly commercial real estate, certainly the office sector. So this is your um, old business from the Irvine company. How does that affect the market in real estate investment? What kind of things should you be investing in? Uh, what kind of things should you be avoiding? I'll start with uh, office buildings. In the case of office buildings, we've gone through these changes before. If you recall, we had big spacious offices and part of the perk of having an office was to have your own private space. 
all of a sudden we started to cram together into open office plans. We all are familiar with that. And we were crawling all over each other. We're probably going to go back because of social spacing to something that felt like the time before we had these open office plans. Then if you combine that with in and out of the office, what you're probably going to see is the need over the next five years or so for less new office space than more. However, what we've noticed every time we get into one of these transition moments is that as the economy grows, it doesn't mean we're not going to be needing new office buildings. We just need that period of adjustment. The interiors will look differently. There'll be things that that need to be put in there for amenities around conference spaces and other things that are more now than we have today. So we'll see physical changes. I think we'll see a a lessening of the value of the office buildings in the short term. But as the economy grows, I think we'll get back to normal growth. So if I would say this, if I was to put in rank order of the the challenges of investing in real estate. I would say retail, of course, is the hardest hit and the least of the investments you probably would want to make today, retail development. But I think that that will bounce back as we get to a post-COVID environment. So I think long-term retail is going to be good. Short-term, it's going to be the toughest sector. Office, I think that it's going to have troubles for upwards of a decade. Apartments are going to do just great. People still need housing. And I do think, though, that industrial is probably the winner. Yeah, so you're seeing a potential uh, reshoring of businesses in the manufacturing sector, which obviously is going to help a lot from an employment point of view for middle class workers. From a housing perspective, we've talked both directly with you and in the past couple of years about the growing problem of affordability. Do you think that? changes will come about as a result of the COVID issue that will make housing more affordable in any way? I think housing gets more affordable because of a very interesting thing happening. Today, we're having this meeting when the newspapers are full today of the news from Facebook that they're going to take working from home as a permanent feature of their workplace, not just getting through the pandemic. And they are going to slowly, over 10 years, get to a workforce that's going to work remotely much more, if not virtually all of their work done remotely. Well, if that's the case, then I don't need to live in very expensive San Francisco working for, let's say, a technology company if, in fact, I can work 10, 15 miles outside of San Francisco and it's as though I'm working for the same company, but they're having me to allowing me to work there. All of a sudden, traffic is going to change, patterns are going to change, so that when I do make that trip to San Francisco to be with my colleagues or have a big meeting or a corporate-wide meeting, there probably isn't going to be the same amount of traffic if this trend holds. So if you see the trend as affecting somewhere around 10 to 20% of office workers, imagine the impact of those people not competing for that same housing in very expensive San Francisco. So to get to affordable housing means that I've got to live somewhere that I want to live 
where I can get to work. Well, if getting to work is turning on my computer and that's the stigma around that is gone because of this pandemic and companies begin to adopt it as an efficient way to get work done, then all of a sudden those workers are not compelled to live in high expensive areas of say San Francisco or New York. They can get out to the suburbs. They can maybe even work in rural areas and get their work done and live much more affordably. It would have over time an impact on the price of homes in San Francisco when everybody doesn't have to be there all day and they get home from their commute. So the potential exists that we achieve affordability by more affordability by changing the way we work. You know, the policy issues here are quite interesting because the urban planners in Sacramento are very heavily prioritizing mass transit as a um, as an area that they'd like people to do more of. And I wonder whether or not the policies will change as a result of COVID. What's your sense? Are they pretty locked into that? Or uh, do you see potential changes happening faster? Well, they will be slow to change. I believe that their priorities stick with their worldview. But much more important than that is they will change if, in fact, the pattern of work changes. Pattern of work, if it changes to where we can take a significant percentage of the workforce and say, you don't have to come into this very congested area, ride transit, live in expensive housing. It's okay for you to live over there where you don't have to do any of that. You can have a more affordable home. You don't have to take public transit. In fact, you don't have to commute at all. And even if that was three of your five days of work, that's going to have a dramatic impact on living patterns and where people live. And I think public policy will change as a result. What if, for example, all of us really only got in a car to go to a meeting or some work activity four days a week instead of five? Imagine taking one-fifth of all the traffic off the streets during the course of a week. Now the demand for transit in order to get people to work without congestion, it will diminish. It could be dramatic. The bottom line is many people in Sacramento are saying, hey, you know, single-family homes are racist, bad, people shouldn't live in them. Don't you think that the experience of being in quarantine is a lot better in a house than in a small apartment? And will developers have to look at housing that has a home office built in it? And will this make single-family homes more attractive, not less? I do think that home design is going to change. I think that the office in the home that might even be able to get isolated, so it's not just part of an open plan, but in fact, it's a separate office. I, I do think you're going to see that show up as people adapt to the environment of working remotely. So I do think it's going to become a, a bigger feature in home building and home planning. Second, think about it. If you only have to go to the office three days a week and you've got two days plus your weekend, now you've got really you're going to think about where do I want to live because you're going to be in that home much more. You're not just going on there to have dinner and sleep and get up and slip off to work. That environment is going to become a very high priority and people will seek the highest quality environment that they can afford. 
And quite often that that's not in a tiny little apartment in the city because that's all I can afford. It will be outside of the city. So Mark Zuckerberg made some interesting comments this morning. One of his comments was, well, we're going to monitor these employees to see where they live. Where are you working from? And if you're working from an uh, area outside of a high-cost area, then maybe you earn less. So you can now hear an employer like Mark Zuckerberg saying, well, maybe it's in my best interest to have you work in an area that is 25% less cost of living than San Francisco or Menlo Park. And that is a benefit both to you as an employee because you get to be in a very nice environment. Maybe you're on a farm. I don't know what your interests are. And he gets the benefit of not having to overpay just to bring you into San Francisco or Menlo Park every day or New York. So if the boss starts making those decisions like Mark Zuckerberg, and I grant you Mark Zuckerberg's kind of on the bleeding edge of this, but if those decisions start getting made, then we are going to see public policy change dramatically because there won't be the demand for the kind of infrastructure that comes with having to move you around a tight urban space. Before we conclude, I'm going to get to the other part of your experience, particularly as mayor of Santa Ana. One of the major concerns we have in feudalism and the work we're doing on feudalism is the growing inequality, what's happening in inner city communities. They seem to have been particularly hard hit by this. They are losing a lot of jobs. A lot of them work in places like Disneyland. What do you think policy should be to prevent the pandemic from making a already unequal and feudalizing reality? How do we prevent it from getting worse and how can we reverse it? Well, first of all, I really believe that the biggest change in public policy that comes out of this pandemic is our approach to public health. When we discovered that mosquitoes were carrying a deadly disease, we invented the screen that went on your windows. Every time we have one of these crises, our public health change. So where public policy needs to go right now in America, if we've had an, a disproportionate impact on people in congested areas or people who can't work remotely, then we have to raise our standards of public health for those people. Testing, washing stations, other kinds of things that, that are uh, important for the public health are going to have to come into the, into the workplace to protect these people. So I'm of a mind that our standards of public health are going to be ratcheted up tremendously as a result of this pandemic so that we never have to go through the economic impacts of this again, which has affected everybody, that we don't have to go through the loss of life like we have that's affected everybody, and so that we can have the same kind of public health standards in lower-income communities than we have in the higher-income communities. So if you kind of combine the two things, higher standard of public health, if you combine that with the new style of, of working, I think that there's going to be a real interest in having jobs be located in places that are healthy. Healthy is going to become a criteria of 
where you choose to live and work. And if places like in the inner city are not healthy, then people will seek jobs in other areas, not because it's nice to have a healthy place, but because the alternative are things like pandemics that are probably in our future. Uh, this isn't the last time I'm sure we're going to face a pandemic. So people's view of where they want to live is going to change. And I think people are going to start voting with their feet. Well, Dan Young, thank you so much for being part of the Feudalism podcast and our very first guest. Really insightful comments. Thank you so much at spanning quite a broad swath of the issues that are in play today with COVID. We'd love to have you back sometime. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Enjoyed it.